14 minutes it is after 7 p.m. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And I'm joined by founder and chief investment officer at Makwe Fund Managers. And that's Makwe Masilela. Makwe, what's your Jay Brewer? Sweet, how's it? My outchange. Ah. Good evening to the listeners. Makwe, I want us to start there in the United Kingdom. Um, hmm. If not just, I guess, to yeah, to think about how the mighty have fallen. Um, and I'm not bitter. Or maybe I am just about the recent red list story. But it seems there's a, there are some difficulties there, some shortages of fuel, some shortages of food on the shelves. Uh, I was saying to Owen Honey earlier on, I mean, these are the things that would often be closely associated with one of their former colonies, uh, and that is the you know southern African nation of Zimbabwe, and of course even more latterly South Africa after July. What's happening there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know there's been a crisis when it comes to the uh, oil issue. We know that it's been an issue when it comes to gas, especially in Europe. And we know there's also been a shortage when it comes to fuel. But the guys there, Boris, is done playing all that. And we know the issues when it comes to truck drivers as well. And then people are saying, listen, we've got serious supply chain bottlenecks. And as we know, if that happens, that automatically is going to raise prices. And we know that tells you that inflation will go up. And we've seen that the Bank of England, they think inflation should be around 4%. Mm. But if this whole thing persists, then unfortunately, it might be even higher than that. But I think the inflation issue is not just the UK problem. All of us are worried about inflation. As a result, we see policymakers that playing it, saying that this is just temporary. But it just shows you, you know, that how to, no matter how developed you are, you can run out of all these things. Supply chain bottleneck is a serious issue and it started during the COVID times. And unfortunately, we thought by now it could have been resolved when the economy starts to reopen, stuff like that. But unfortunately, it is going to be staying with us for quite some time. And bear in mind that if it continues, then also it tells you that it is going to affect the economic growth when it comes to the UK itself, because higher prices can never be good for any economy. Makwe, there's also been labor shortages. Uh, we heard yeah. stories of some difficulties then. You'd remember, I mean, this is the country that a few years ago was saying they don't want to be part of Europe anymore. But I guess they conveniently forgot that much of their cheap labor needs come from different parts of Europe. Uh, I mean, if you think about just the K economy in the United Kingdom and how many mm-hmm. people come from Eastern Europe who look after, you know, the young and the old in that part of the world, uh, there's a bit, of a bit of a challenge there for them. It is, you know, especially when it comes to immigrants, you know, that it needs to be addressed properly because there are also proposals or suggestions that, you know what, you have to start paying those immigrants the way you pay UK workers themselves, Mm. you know, and also give them some allowance when it comes to their visas as well, you know, some visa allowance, something of that nature. It just shows you that they're trying to do whatever they can to attract more workers to come to that country. And I think we also had a very same story when it comes to Australia at some point, when the guys were even unable to travel to other regions. And I think it was during the harvesting time. So yes, it gets to be highlighted when it comes to the UK. But for me, I think it's more of a European problem more than anything. And yes, by all means, the whole issue of Brexit, it just proves that the guys were not really prepared, you know, when it comes to Brexit whether it was something that they ignored before or maybe the situation was exacerbated by the issue of, of the pandemic, we don't know. The fact of the matter is there's a shortage when it comes to labor. 
But I think for workers, they should be happy because that itself, it tells you that now they have to start getting more wages going forward. Because as we know, demand supply. So if there's a shortage of supply, then definitely that will help when it comes to increases, when it comes to wages. Yeah, I mean, this is a a very interesting uh, um, development there. And of course, we're also hearing that this might result in uh, an increase of the national minimum wage by the Conservative Party government. Uh, and I'm quite interested, Mark, I mean, just in your assessment of this. One, I mean, you know, the Tories aren't really known, I guess, as the most, you know, a pro-Labour type of organisation. But I guess the second one is in the broader politics of the United Kingdom and uh, the uh, post-Brexit UK. I, I mean, what does it mean to see this uh, nearly 5.7% uh, increase in the national minimum wage, which, uh, you know, is expected now to come through, uh, which will bring that national minimum wage in the UK to 194 rand per hour. That bodes well for workers themselves. And hence, if you have seen the reactions that you've seen when it comes to business, and uh, uh, as well after the guy made the speech, that they were criticizing the speech, that it was just too vague. The guy doesn't, they call it that, there's no economic intellect. You know, it's a guy who doesn't even understand the economy. And <laughs> this is coming mainly from business because when you start increasing wages, then it is the bottom line when it comes to businesses. But yes, for workers themselves, that goes well for them. And anyway, we've seen that prices have been going up. We talked about the shortage of, uh, what do you call it, food, mm. energy as well, petrol, stuff like that. So the cost of living is going up. So you might as well increase the guy's wages. And the real increase there is not even going to be 5.7. It's going to be 1.7% because you have to take into account that 4% inflation rate. So actually the real increase there is going to be 1.7%. But I guess that's good for for them as well. And also the guys who operate in the, what do you call it, the restaurant industry, stuff like that, because they've got a lot of immigrants working around those kind of mm-hmm. industries. But yes, businesses, by all means, we expected them to react the way they've reacted. Mm. Makwe, hold the line there for me for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break. Uh, and uh, when we come back, uh, I want us to uh, take a look at some of the other stories out in the marketplace, including, yeah, the uh, alcohol industry uh, resuming their payments of their 2.5 billion rand monthly excise duty obligation. And uh, we'll take a look at uh, what that means. And certainly, if uh, the scenes from the weekend are anything to go by, uh, I don't think this made a massive impact on their bottom line. 22 minutes it is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And I'm in conversation with the founder and chief investment officer at Markwe Fund Managers. And that's Markwe Masilela. And if you just joined us, we're taking a look at uh, yeah the looming, or maybe let me just say the speculation, uh, around a looming increase for of the national minimum wage in the United Kingdom to uh, nearly around 200 rand an hour. Uh, and of course, I guess uh, how many of the supply chain shortage, uh, shortages and uh, the cost of living increases in that part of the world uh, might make that a welcome yeah. development for many of the workers. Now, Makwe, uh, I want us to go yeah. to the liquor trade. And as I was saying, if um, yeah, some of the scenes that came out of the weekend are anything to go by, uh, it does seem that many of those who sell liquor uh, yeah, are on, well on their way uh, on the path to recovering from uh, many of the lockdowns. And uh, we know that some of the big players here, uh, Diageo, Heineken, and many others, uh, resuming now uh, their uh, monthly payments of their excise duties, which amount to nearly 2.5 billion rand for uh, the group organized around Salba. 
What do you make of this? And uh, I guess, uh, yeah, easing of the liquidity situation because they'd withheld these payments primarily because they felt that they needed that liquidity cushion. By all means, remember the guys couldn't sell. So as a result, that affected their income. So now on top of that, if they were expected to pay, I mean, that excess duty then definitely just going to affect the cash flow. So I think coming from the South, the government itself, to give them that payment holiday, 90 days, I think it was a wise move. And yes, the guys, by all means, they're happy to start repaying. And we've seen that as much as they had some bans when it comes to alcohol, I mean, if you look at the results of the likes of this ban, the guys continue to print money. If you look at the likes of Yenneken, trying to buy the likes of these tests. It shows you that it's something that you're not going to say it out loud, but the industry itself seems to be very defensive. And we know that during the alcohol bans, people have been complaining about this illegal uh, sales of alcohol, whatever it is. But apparently they make up only 2% of the volumes that gets to be sold in the country. But yes, this is the much needed funds that the government has been looking for. I mean, $2.5 billion per month, you know, that's not cheap man that's not small money and going forward we know there's an industry that almost contribute almost 72 billion mm. in taxes you know and over 173 billion when it comes to our gdp and the guys employ over a million through the whole value chain when it looks into the industry but i like their attitude i mean these are the guys who are up in arms with government, but you check the tone now. They're working with government, law enforcers to make sure that, that the government doesn't lose out on the necessary tax by clamping down on people who are selling liquor, I mean, illegally. And it just shows you that as much as we had our frustrations during the lockdowns, but sanity is starting to prevail that, listen, together we can build this thing. And yes, by all means, the guys won't tell us that they're making good money, but their results, unfortunately, they're exposing them. Remember what SAB said, AB and BEF, they said they're not going to be investing in South Africa. They deferred that $7 billion or so investment, but they announced it that, yes, they're prepared to do that going forward because they realize that it's not them doing us a favor mm. by doing that investment for them to grow they need to make that necessary investment. And I think this is the kind of news that we are looking forward to. And just look, SAS just told us that they collected almost $1.2 when it comes to revenue. And that's excluding that uh, excess duty of almost uh, $2.5 per month. So, yeah, going forward, this bodes well. And maybe the government will have the necessary funds to deliver on whatever promises that they're going around making to people during the elections now. Hmm. You know... It's so interesting when, uh, Makwe, we think about, you know, a story like this, because all of it is really reliant on the epidemiological journey of COVID-19. Yes. Very little of it, I guess, is something that you can presciently plan and say, you know, next year, March, we know we would have recovered from what started out in March 2020. It doesn't work like that. Um, if sure. you If you are working in this space, I mean... I would think that cash buffers are going to be critical. So you probably, as things open up, you want to sell as much as you can uh, because you're also anticipating that what is happening out in New Zealand where they thought they'd defeated this thing and now it's flaring up again, scope for another lockdown. Uh, if that happens again, um, there are many businesses that might not survive. So, so how would you approach this? I mean, if you were either a tavern owner or even somebody who's in the distribution trade of liquor. I think better planning, and maybe we can learn from the likes of this tale, have proper warehousing, be able not to 
produce and keep things, you know, in your premises, but make sure that gets to be distributed to your warehouses. I mean, they've got what they call the route to market, you know, where you get a big wholesaler around that particular area who's supplying the smaller taverns. And then make sure that you train your tavern owners, you know, your restaurants, to have proper stock management that they don't also live from hand to mouth. They are able to have some decent stock. I mean, in cases where things have to stop, you as the manufacturer, you know that, listen, I've sold X amount, then unfortunately it will end up with maybe your taverner or maybe your restaurant who will be, who will maybe be allowed to sell something but distribution because remember, take something like beer. You cannot produce beer if you don't have space. You cannot just keep it out there, in, out in the sun and then try to put it back again. You know, that's going to spoil that particular beer. So make sure that you are able to warehouse it properly. And also, those kind of machines that get to be used there, it's not the kind of machines that you can switch on and off, you know. Mm. You do some planned switching on and off because it's going to cost you millions if you have to switch that system overnight. And also, maybe the government should have proper uh, engagement with them going forward. Don't say on Sunday night, we are closing liquor tomorrow. Mm. You know, what do you expect the guys to do? Because if you, ha- you are a tavern owner, you have to get liquor from one of the manufacturers. Before that truck leaves the warehouse of the manufacturing plant, you have paid for it. So you have paid on Saturday or Friday. You expect to get your truck on Monday, but then the government announces that it chips. Sorry, you are not selling. What is going to do to your cash flow as that tavern owner? Because you've paid 500000 whatever it costs, to get that truck. So stuff like that, it doesn't work. So proper planning that, guys, we intend to closing in the next coming two weeks. Mm. So please plan accordingly. We choose the production. Maybe you were working on it in a four-hour shift. Then maybe gradually you reduce that to whatever hour so that you don't produce as if things are normal, you know. So that will at least lessen the blow. Yes, there will still be a blow. But given that it is a pandemic era, yes, you will be affected. But that should help to lessen the blow. Mm. Makwe, uh, the Minister of Communications and Digital Technology, um, yeah, suggesting that hey, we might want to make a bit more use and uh, support and enable and encourage uh, local developers to develop uh, local social media platforms. And of course, this is triggered by what we saw uh, for many of the platforms under the Facebook uh, banner, uh, which uh, had an outage for about six hours uh, earlier on this week. What do you make of this? I mean, and uh, she makes mention of Mixit. And I must say, I was part of the Mixit generation. So I certainly have a very strong recollection of how that, in many ways, made it easier to get uh, many of us into instant messaging and into platforms like Facebook. Uh, But uh, has this horse bolted or is there scope, uh, I guess, here in South Africa for some, you know, Chinese style national, uh, you know, instant messaging or social media platform? There is a scope, you know, and as you mentioned, the likes of China, here they are, they've got it. And we know when was mixed it, 2013, stuff like that, they had almost 7 million users or so. But now it had to close because of the likes of your, what do you call it, your WhatsApp, stuff like that. But yes, there is a space for us to develop something. And not just for the South African market. I think we also need to learn that we don't have to uh, innovate stuff or manufacture stuff, you know, for us domestic consumption only, you know, we have to get something that can also be used, starting with maybe the continent itself, then probably can grow the way it can grow, because anyway, Aya, 
whether we had that uh, shutdown or whatever of Facebook or WhatsApp, any industry cannot forever have one company dominating. People should be able to come with better ones, you know, improve on the existing ones. So this is a space that people should be looking at, those developers, that how can we even improve on the likes of WhatsApp as it is now? We know we've got the likes of a signal, you know, the likes of your telegram, but you need someone as well who can challenge the dominance of the likes of the Facebook. Yes, definitely agree with the minister. There is space there, and we hope it just end up, it doesn't just end up as a talk. The guys really have to get down and work on it and get those people to come up with something. Whether it will end up being government-backed, it doesn't mm. matter, but at least we know that we'll start generating some money for the country. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing I was raising, Mark, which I, which I find rather an anomaly. I mean, we're nearly now two years into this pandemic. And I remember asking at the start of the pandemic, you know, uh, there's nothing more unsettling than having a platform like Zoom uh, and earlier on, maybe a platform like Skype or Microsoft Teams and all of these other platforms, being the primary communication mechanism for people who ordinarily are sitting on very, very confidential information. Uh, and I'm thinking of people in the government primarily or people you know, who are lawmakers in parliament or even you know, mm. judges and, and, and that type of thing and, and the courts, and you know, as you would imagine. And... I think that's where you really, really need. I mean, even if it's, you know, just a, initially a platform that's just tested by the government and bankrolled, they take first risk. But you need a platform that's going to be able to be secure enough for the type of communications that are happening on that platform. I mean, it's scary how, you know, very, very high level things are being discussed on Zoom without any assurance that, you know, Zoom, uh, one, can secure that information or two, that information might land up in the hands of people that, necessarily shouldn't have that information. And I think we had instances like that. You know, there was some uh, parliament session that unfortunately was mm. interrupted. People managed to hack it. There were some others flying around. It was, I think, the ANC, NEC meeting as well, you know, mm. where people managed to get that info. So, yes, you are right. You need some something which is secure, you know, that you in charge, you can control it. And you are right, it can be tested through government itself. And besides government itself, you know, companies themselves, they sometimes discuss very sensitive information mm, that they don't true. want their competitors, you know, to know about. You need something very secure. You cannot just or on your Zoom, your Microsoft, you know, those things should end up generally being more of a social thing more than mm. anything. But for serious stuff, yes, I agree with you that people by now, they could have developed something like that. While people were developing the vaccine, other people could have been developing stuff like that. By now, we should be having something, you know, along those lines, which we know yeah. is more secure. Look, I mean, and then, you know, one of the other things the minister said was they would work alongside CETA, and the Department of Science and Innovation to work on this. Now, look, DSI, I, I must be honest, I don't know a lot about the programs that they run. But my concern is I haven't heard any good news coming out of CETA in a long time. Uh, the only time I hear about CETA is things linked to, you know, people cutting deals with software providers and all mm. manner of other things. Um, and it makes one wonder, uh, Mark, whether or not, you know, all of the things that have been happening that have very little to do with what CETA should be doing, um, have really distracted and taken attention away from a critical and important task like this. 
Definitely, by all means, and you look at those CETA stuff like that, you know, and it's not just only CETA. Unfortunately, here yeah, in South Africa, we've got a tendency on relying on the very same private companies who come to government as consultants. Mm. So basically, you have not done anything because those are the very same guys who will come and try to develop something for you as a CETA, stuff like that. You need to have people which are your own people. Whatever you develop, it ends up being your IP. We need something that we know that is highly secured because you end up as you're saying that the likes of sitters so far there's very few things that we can point out that they've done that are good but by now with all these kids out of university with all these kids who are gamers with all these kids you know who understand all this technology better than we do by now they should have like had some few guys out there 100 200 of them put them into a room, let them sit there, play around stuff, and then come up with something at the end of the day. And they're going to come cheap for you as a government to mm. employ people like that, to I play see. around stuff and come up with something. Yeah, eh? that's what we mean when we talk about a learning capable and uh, developmental state. Go out and experiment. You know, go and try sure. it. It might work, it might not work, but, you know, that's the whole point, that at least you would have learned something in the process. Makwe, as always, a pleasure, my brother. Uh, yeah. Take strength. Top Togozil. That there was uh, Makwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer at, and founder at Makwe Fund Managers, helping us uh, with our wrap of the top business stories. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we speak to Labor Federation Kosato.